0: You are listening to the Special Needs Children podcast with Chitra Aiyar. Chitra Ayer is a parent of 25-year-old Shravan Aiyar who has epilepsy, cerebral palsy and autism. She is the CEO of MFA and has been helping families with life-centered planning to reach their personal financial goals. She is also a trustee of a parent support group, the Forum for Autism, which was set up almost two decades ago. MFA is an 18-year-old organization in the personal finance space. They have set up a dedicated practice to help families with special needs children to plan their financial goals and invest for them. The thoughts shared here are a result of the discussion with parents, caregivers, siblings and professionals regarding the planning of a person with special needs. In this expert series podcast, Chitra Ayer is talking to Ms. Radhika Agarwal. Miss is a part of Vishesh's founding team and has the overall responsibility for Vishesh operations in Western India. Vishesh Foundation is an organization that is known for its work in the field of skill development and employment for people with disabilities. In this interview, Ms. Radhika shares her personal journey and how she became involved in advocating for individuals with disabilities and how skill development plays a crucial role in empowering individuals with disabilities.
1: Hello everyone, a big warm welcome to you on this expert series of my podcast for special needs children. Thank you so much for your time today Radhika uh, to agree to do this interview with me. Hi, welcome to the show. Hi Chitra and thank you for having me over. Uh, most welcome. Really waiting and eager to listen to the entire, um, you know, everything that you have to answer to all of my questions that I have for you. So to formally introduce you to all our listeners, Radhika is a member of Vishesh's founding team. Vishesh is an impact enterprise known for its work in the field of skill development and Employment for People with Disabilities. Its objective is to provide opportunity to ambition. In addition to training, employment and inclusion services, Radhika has been involved with development of their Learning Services Practice, Solm, an English language learning program for deaf students. This expanded to deaf schools in Southeast Asia, including Bangladesh and Sri Lanka. has been instrumental in setting up Vishesh's practice on neurodiversity, which involves specialized training and placement of trainees with neurodivergence. He plays a crucial role in the organization's efforts to empower individuals with disabilities, as well as organizations progressing their journey to inclusion. So uh, my first question coming to you is, can you please share how Vishesh foundation was set up what inspired the creation of the organization, and what was the initial vision for empowering individuals with disabilities?
2: Yeah, so Vishesh is actually—it's uh, not a for—it's pro- uh, not an NGO. It's a not a not-for-profit. We are a profit-making body, and uh, it was set up as an enterprise almost thirteen to fourteen years back, uh, with the intent to see it grow and at a time when nobody was paying so when we charged for our services nobody was really willing to pay for it but slowly and gradually you know with uh, you know the growing of the market the needs of students organizations etc we started getting paid for our services as well uh, the vision for vishesh is you know to get jobs for all uh, our tagline itself talks about opportunities to ambition and is aligned to the goal of leaving no one behind. Uh, Vishesh was the brainchild of uh, P. Rajasekaran and Shashank Avasthi. Uh, they go back uh, as being, uh, you know, very very close friends from their MBA days. Uh, So, when we started uh, the journey, I think, um, you know, uh, the initial uh, thought was to start with uh, people who come from uh, marginalized backgrounds. Uh, But, uh, you know, as time moved, we started moving into the space of disability. Our first endeavor was with deaf uh, persons. Uh, We started getting jobs for them and then gradually expanded our scope to working with persons with physical disabilities. Uh, Over the last eight to nine years, we started working with neurodivergent candidates. And currently, we are also working with people who are blind, uh, persons with mental health issues, and also, you know, rare conditions like uh, multiple sclerosis, Sjogren's syndrome, etc. The ethos for Vishesh's foundation, you know, uh, is that, uh, you know, inclusion is the main thought behind, uh, you know, uh, the... The setup of this company, uh, I think the founders and all of us today would like to create a level playing field for the marginalized. So access to employment, uh, you know, is, is a very, very good way. It's a good litmus, litmus test for inclusion because, you know, once a person starts earning, uh, it helps, uh, uh, you know, the them to become confident. It helps the family to start trusting them. Uh, it you know brings in social acceptance and independent living so the entire perception of the individual changes and uh, the idea of vishesh is to create opportunities for uh, those who have been left behind so the shesh part in vishesh actually talks about creating opportunities for those who've been left behind and i think the important part that you know uh, uh, we'd like to emphasize is you know we try to find them jobs which are aligned to their ambition we just don't want to get them a fit because we feel that you know this is the fit for them we want to get them a fit that they would like uh, like any other non disabled individual so that's uh, you know about our journey to uh, you know from start to
1: today thank you thank you so much for sharing this it sounds really uh, one huge tough one that has gone over the years, a lot of effort that has gone in. Uh, I was going to ask you about who you cater to and you already shared about this. Do you wish to add anything further more here about who you cater to today?
2: So, uh, What I'd like to add here, Chitra, is that, you know, uh, we look at uh, students. Yes, of course, you know, we look at the entire spectrum of disabilities and uh, we try to, you know, because we are a private limited company, we try to treat our uh, uh, trainees as clients. Uh, We try to service their needs, uh, service their ambitions. Uh, We also work with organizations who are looking to embark on their disability inclusion journey. So right from uh, start to finish, right from, you know, when they uh, draft their policies to accessibility uh, of their infrastructure and digital uh, technologies to empowering, mentoring and coaching people with disabilities, we look at the entire journey. Uh, we don't necessarily need to do the entire journey in a linear manner. Uh, we help organizations in any part of their journey. And the idea is also to work with the entire ecosystem to make it inclusive. So if you look at our learning program where we've worked with uh, deaf students, uh, we do try to work with students. We try to work with students in colleges as well. We work with corporates. We try to set up an enabling environment through sensitization workshops, accessibility audits, et cetera. So the entire gamut of uh, work spans students, organizations, and the entire ecosystem.
1: That's clearly very, very informative. Um, So, you know, I believe you use a lot of technology, right? So wanted to go straight there that in what ways uh, would you say that technology can be leveraged to make skill building programs much more accessible to individuals with disabilities today? And uh, according to you, how does this contribute to their overall empowerment? So
2: technology has you know, has really been a game changer, especially, I think, post-COVID, you know, we've all used technology. But I think it also brought to light the fact that, you know, India being the diverse country that it is, uh, there is a whole chunk of population that does not have access to gadgets and devices. In fact, they were the ones who were kind of left out during you know the COVID period, so digital transformation is definitely happening in India. But we need to ensure uh, that uh, we do provide access to devices. Uh, you know access to you know uh, digital devices for all our students in schools, or uh, when we are doing skill building training programs. You know we need to, to make sure that uh, you know digitization is a big part of it, and devices are provided there uh, in colleges as well. Uh, The other part is, you know, uh, there are a lot of assistive technologies that have come up uh, over the last decade or more. Uh, but it's not just enough to have uh, assistive technologies we need to make sure that the environment uh, is conducive so for example you have screen readers uh, and uh, uh, you know uh, people with uh, vision impairment can use their screen readers on their laptop to access the entire uh, uh, internet right but if your website is not accessible right then the entire point is lost so environments need to be made accessible in terms of ensuring Websites are accessible, and and today you know uh, we pretty much uh, use digital uh, medium for everything that we do. So, be it from banking to filing our taxes to uh, you know uh, paying our bills, everything is digitized. But uh, if we don't make sure that you know all these systems are made accessible for assistive technologies, then we are actually going to be leaving out a large chunk of the population behind so that's you know about assistive technologies i think uh, we need to grow uh, much more in this field in to make sure that you know we provide good digitize, uh, digitization to everybody the other thing you know i think uh, uh, assistive uh, artificial intelligence so generative ai that we talk a lot about has become a big thing in today's world and generative ai can be used very very uh, you know well to kind of uh, you know bridge the gaps for learning and employment so for example, you know, when I was uh, uh, trying to understand how a blind student is understanding graphs, he did it beautifully by, you know, putting the picture onto, uh, uh, you know, an AI platform and asking AI to interpret the graph for him. You know, so simple things uh, uh, like this, or you know, captioning in the videos is something that can be done for deaf uh, persons, uh, even for neurodivergent candidates. And and Chitra, I'm sure, you know, with your experience with so many candidates, you'd understand that you know, the user experience of interacting with every child is so different. So once this user experience is fed into the bot, maybe, you know, uh, they will have many use cases that can help them to come out with an individualized approach for, uh, you know, uh, every different person and their different queries. So I think this is how, you know, in many, many ways, assistive technologies can be used to, you know, uh, assist persons with disabilities, both for
1: learning and for employment. Thanks for that detailed uh, explanation, Radhika. Um, What I would like to understand more is that uh, one is technology, but your whole focus privately is skill development, right? So uh, Mm -hmm. can you please elaborate and uh, help uh, everyone understand uh, how does skill development play a crucial role in empowering individuals? with disabilities, both in terms of personal growth and employment opportunities. Okay. So,
2: Chitra, I'd like to break this question up into, you know, why do we even need skill development? And then go on to talk about, you know, what are the different types of uh, skill development programs that we have? So, uh, you know, when we're talking about uh, persons with disabilities, I think uh, one needs to keep in mind, you know, the kind of backgrounds they come from. Uh, It's disadvantaged in many, many ways because there are a lot of societal barriers uh, getting to school can be a big problem because of the infrastructural barriers in school access to education can be a big problem for both blind and deaf students because we don't have access to audio books we don't have access to uh, you know uh, training in uh, sign language etc so there is a huge gap with access to opportunities when it comes to persons with disabilities the biggest of them all the biases you know, that uh, families, the society, friends, etc. have about the cohort. So, uh, you know, I think uh, we have a huge number of dropouts, uh, right in class 10th and 12th, you know, so it The the number has been huge a decade before. I think maybe slight improvement in the numbers with time now. Even if we go into higher education, right? Uh, We don't have colleges for persons with disabilities. A lot of the institutions are mainstream. So if you think about it, I mean, if you look at India itself, we don't have many colleges for deaf students where you actually teach them using sign language. Uh, so they are sitting in mainstream classes with the rest of their uh, batchmates and listening in to the lectures. So how much do you think they are absorbing of the skills of the functional knowledge that is being taught in the classroom sessions? Um, how many doctors uh, who are blind people, deaf people, uh, neurodivergent people, how many doctors, lawyers, engineers have you heard of? Right. Is it because they lack the talent? Possibly not. You know, it's it's because they don't have uh, the opportunities to continue with those fields. Uh, they So what typically happens is they come out of their colleges with a simple graduation degree uh, and, uh, you know, they really lack in the skills that they have acquired through their foundational years. So right from school, running into colleges. Uh, Now, if you look at, you know, uh, trainings for employment, you have a lot of institutes which give them this, uh, you know, uh, training to bridge the gap. Uh, There are institutions which provide uh, training in language skills, uh, soft skills, uh, workplace etiquettes, MS office, all of these. But these skills are not in formats that are accessible to our candidates. So herein lies a huge gap. When these candidates try to make it into, uh, you know, uh, professional workplaces, uh, they find that they come from a space of disparity. The jump from college to employment is huge. Uh, they are competing with people who've gone through mainstream education, have had access to good education, functional knowledge, you know, they've, they've been exposed to, you know, social etiquettes, norms, etc. And therefore, uh, you know, uh, there is a huge disparity with di- persons with disability. So, I believe that uh, skill development plays a crucial role in helping hone these skills, you know, right from functional skills to domain knowledge to soft skills, which will help them to integrate at the workplace. Uh, And, uh, you know, uh, as we give them this training, uh, they you know, understand what are the uh, etiquettes, what are the requirements for working in a workplace. Now, typically these trainings, you know, uh, that functional, when I'm talking about functional skills, uh, digitized uh, digitization, you know, learning about digital technology, uh, soft skills, these trainings can span anything from one to two years. But we actually crunch it into uh, a three to four month training because we believe that, you know, you can't get trained for that long. Neither do they have uh, the finances and they are looking out for employment. You know, they come from backgrounds where they need to be trained. So we are crunching this entire, uh, you know, uh, experience that they have missed out through their college through uh, post college you know into a short time frame of 2 to 3 months but with a lot of personalized effort uh, with uh, focused training on uh, functional skills uh, on digital technologies you know very, very very focused on what one would require at the workplace teaching them about domain knowledge um, you know helping them uh, you know organize a lot of interactions gives them that boost and confidence to enter into the workplace. So I think that's where, you know, skill development trainings play a very, very important role in helping them integrate into the workplace. Now, if I were to talk about, you know, what are the different skill development programs and especially with, uh, you know, Vishesh, because we've been, uh, you know, that's a core part of our work. Uh, so we have a lot of different trainings that are funded by uh, uh, companies associations so for example american uh, indian foundation nascom cii so a lot of trainings funded by them and by csrs as well uh you know which uh, uh, can be around uh, it skills it can be around banking back office operations it could be related to uh, accounts related jobs etc but they're very very focused on what the employer requires and you know uh over, over a period of time, we've done these trainings uh, batch by batch for uh, persons with different needs. We've made these trainings in formats that are accessible to them. So, for example, we organize trainings for deaf people very regularly. We're going to make sure that, uh, you know, we always have uh, a sign language interpreter who would be there. We would be giving them material in simpler formats because language can be a challenge for them. Uh, We make sure there is complete understanding. We spend time to clarify post-classroom as well. If it is a training for blind persons which we've done for customer support and accessibility uh, training, you know we make sure that we are giving them material that is screen reader friendly. Uh, there are descriptions of the material in class which is visual uh, you know if there is uh, subjects like IT etc, we make sure you know the cohort is able to catch what is going on uh, you know in that sense. Uh, the uh, Training, I think that is closest to my heart and and I would love to talk about that. That's something that, you know, I'm completely involved in is for persons with neurodivergence, we call this onwards. And uh, uh, Chitra, the genesis of this training, I think I would uh, attribute to Forum for Autism because, uh, you know, when we were looking out for uh, people to place, I think I had many parents uh, come to us and say, and especially Manjusha and Darshana who, uh, you know, continuously prodded us saying that, you know, why don't you train our kids? Uh, And you know from the little experience that i had and i'm talking about almost 8 to 9 years back i knew that we can't do the generalized training that we do for blind and deaf candidates because we have big batch sizes we can accommodate 20 to 25 persons in our batches uh, you know on the higher limit and you know in a in a uh, on the lower limit about 15 but Somewhere I knew that we can't do that with our neurodivergent candidates because uh, you need very specialized, focused groups of five to six or a maximum of seven people in a batch. Uh, so this happened at COVID times, you know, uh, we did an online training uh, and uh, this has gradually evolved into a program where we've started doing uh, uh, you know trainings full-fledged for persons with neurodivergence to just uh, you know tell you a little bit about the training we uh, we focus on activity-based learning and I uh, you know remember from your podcast with Dr. Vibha Krishnamurti that you know she talks about uh, uh, you know giving students chores because these chores help them to uh, you know plan activities. They help them to manage their time. They help them to sequence. They help them to execute. And uh, you know that's exactly the ethos of our training as well. Uh, we have learning methods uh, which are tailored to the individual needs of uh, uh, every cohort. Uh, we divide the batches by cohort. We recognize the fact that Every person may not be able to learn mathematics or uh, foundational skills or, uh, you know, very, very advanced Excel skills uh, for a job with, you know, uh, uh, the top-notch MNCs. Uh, So we try to form cohorts uh, that match the skill set of the students, and we try to push them to their maximum potential so that to me is uh, you know something that i uh, feel has really helped our batch of students to learn well to learn in an atmosphere where they believe in themselves and and they work alongside us to really uh, you know uh, uh, to really uh, to give it their best so when i'm talking about this activity uh, based approach uh, uh, you know uh, we have uh, projects And we look at a five pronged approach. So we look at five, uh, you know, areas of improvement that we work with on our with our candidates. Uh, This is kind of derived from the global education um, frameworks, you know, which speaks about every uh, student needs to develop skills with regard to critical thinking and problem solving. Uh, they need to look at uh, you know social collaborations they need to build on their foundational skills they need to know themselves and they need to also develop uh, social etiquettes so this entire framework is what we've expanded into our onwards jo- uh, program where we are looking you know of course we've divided every batch into you know levels so it's level 1 2 and 3 and uh, uh, for every batch we look at So, for example, if it's a batch of students who, uh, you know, may not be able to do advanced Excel, we still look at, you know, how they can uh, develop the skills to find solutions on their own, right? So, if they are stuck at a particular place or they are stuck in a location, they're not able to reach their parent uh, uh, or their parent is not with them, how can they find the solution to reach their parents? So, you know, through simple activities. So problem solving and thinking out of the box for every cohort. You know, I I, I don't want to just because we are using fancy terminologies of critical thinking and problem solving, it does not necessarily mean that you're solving the world's problems. You're just solving simple issues that are impacting your life around you. And that's what we're trying to build into our students. Again, you know, workplace etiquettes in terms of, you know, working in teams, which is, again, something difficult for, uh, you know, our students with neurodivergence because working in teams is difficult. Uh, So, you know, uh, talking about workplace etiquettes, you know, how to collaborate uh, with, uh, uh, you know, your peers in your classrooms. Uh, uh, So that's an important part. And, you know, again, just sharing and I I know I may be taking up a little uh, extra time here, but, you know, we always say this, that persons uh, with autism, uh, you know, are not socially very comfortable, they're socially awkward. So uh, this was also a realization for me, Chitra, because when I started this training, uh, there were a batch of five people who would sit in five different corners eating their lunch uh, there was literally uh, very little interaction with them. As time progressed, and of course, we would keep, you know, pushing them to eat lunch together, you know, asking them questions about each other. Uh, they uh, they really developed a good bond. Uh, we did a trip on uh, the monorail with them. And, uh, you know, they formed a WhatsApp group on their own. Uh, we taught them how to travel independently to the workplace. So, you know, two two of the candidates started and uh, they uh, figured how to reach the workplace and uh, uh, the plan was for two more to join in after a month and uh, they came back and they said the other two who were to join after a month they said we already know how to get to that place because the persons who joined in the first batch uh, took us on a tour of how to get to the workplace and uh, it was I think uh, almost like such a eureka moment for me you know we talk about uh, people being socially awkward but here was this batch who was bound bonding so well so beautifully and they were working as mentors and support uh, you know people for for their own uh, friends so you know we talk about social collaborations and also Uh, knowing yourself, right? Because they've come from a space where they faced a lot of exclusion from their childhood. So, uh, you know, talking about uh, understanding what are their strengths, what are their weaknesses, uh, you know, uh, uh, how are they perceived by people? So, you know, working on all their negative perceptions to help them feel more positive about uh, themselves. And finally, of course, there is a huge focus on foundational skills, on uh, uh, English on uh, digital technology, on learning simple money matters, et cetera, because that is, you know, how they're going to move into the workplace. So this is how we actually work on our skill development programs. Uh, It's across disabilities. And uh, currently we've started on this new program for neurodivergent. The last thing I'd like to add, uh, Chitra, is, you know, uh, at Vishesh, when we do our trainings, uh, we don't look at scale that we are not looking at how many students are we able to train quantity and mass. But we try to look at impact because we recognize that every individual is important. Every job is different and every individual makes needs to make it to that particular different job. So a lot of our solutions are customized to uh, uh, the individual. I I hope that's uh, that answers. No,
1: no. That was an absolutely very, very detailed, comprehensive and uh, I love listening to it about how, you know, how you explained, right, from uh, just just all those Jagdish terms, but <laughs> it, it it really explains when you're teaching a child how to get home on their own and uh, you know, overcome all the daily living uh, problems in life and you're empowering them and getting them ready to actually land up in a workplace with better communication and uh, crucial skills that they need, uh, which is way beyond what they would have learned uh, in their entire schooling life. In that that was really a wonderful answer, Radhika, no doubt. Uh, I, I want to move to the other side of the table, that is, how can workplaces be made ready for employment and inclusion? What would you say to that?
2: So, uh, you know, workplaces, I think... Uh, uh... Chitra, you know, we just did one webinar on, you know, how workplaces have evolved over the last decade. So, uh, you know, if I really look back at the journey, I, I think uh, I recall 13 years back how we were, you know, uh, almost pleading with employers to say, you know, why don't you give them a chance? And, you know, there was no question of asking them to, you know, uh, uh, remunerate us for the placements. It was like uh, they would say that, okay, we are taking in a candidate and we're almost doing you a favor. To now, where people have started, uh, or organizations and employers have started recognizing that having, uh, you know, diversity, having persons with disability uh, is not something that they need to do for social impact, but it would add value to their workplaces, right? So, that entire shift in perspective is, I think, something that is, you know, uh, very very valuable uh, talking about you know how workplaces can be made uh, 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 you know inclusive and uh, ready for employment for persons with disabilities so uh, vishesh uses a 4e approach and i think that's uh, you know a lot of organizations would be doing it uh, we talk about um, creating uh, so the 4e talks about enable employ engage and empower now, if I were to expand each of these ease enable is, you know, where uh, we work with uh, workplaces to provide an enabling environment. So uh, through, you know, uh, ensuring that the physical infrastructure is accessible for persons or employees with disability, ensuring that uh, digital technology is made available. Uh, it is digital accessibility is, you know, uh, provided to employees who require uh, help. Uh, assistive technologies, reasonable accommodations, right? Reasonable accommodations could be in the form of providing them, uh, uh, you know, devices like, uh, you know, big keyboards, big screens. It could be in the form of providing uh, uh, employee screen readers on their uh, laptops. It could even be in the form of, uh, you know, ensuring websites are made accessible. So we provide an uh, uh, enabling an environment. Uh, the second part is about employment, which is, uh, you know, a lot of uh, work goes in uh, right from the stage of mobilizing the candidate to, uh, you know, uh, getting them for the interviews, uh, making sure that the panel or uh, the managers and uh, HR who is going to screen the candidates are sensitized to the needs of uh, trainees or uh, you know interviewees with disability. Uh, we make sure that uh, we have a good understanding of the job descriptions that have been provided. Uh, these job descriptions need to be made inclusive. So anytime we look at a job role, uh, if you look at a, you know, uh, job role that is, uh, you know, given out by the company, uh, you know, it talks about excellent communication skills, everything talks about, uh, you know, being excellent, the need to communicate, uh, the need to uh, You know, uh, interact with clients, the need to report, the need to email. Uh, But, uh, you know, I think Chitra, you and I both know that while a lot of the candidates will have a lot of the skills and will do some things even better than non disabled candidates, they may find uh, difficulty due to their disability on a lot of counts. So, when we look at job descriptions, we try to cull out what are the essential functions. We try to segregate what are the marginal functions or not so important functions so for example if a role is you know about uh, uh, back office operations maybe speaking to the client is not a core part of the role it can be done by another team member so the minute we separate out these marginal roles this job can be opened up to a lot of candidates who are deaf and even to our neurodivergent candidates who may not be comfortable having conversations verbally so we try to work with clients to make their job descriptions more inclusive. Uh, We also work with, uh, you know, uh, 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 once they are into the organizations, we provide a lot of post-placement support. Uh, This is especially true for, uh, you know, deaf persons because they would need training in sign language. So the initial training uh, is something that we work on. Uh, We work with the teams to train them. We, we help them to make a small dictionary of uh, the important words in sign language and then uh, train uh, you know the peers on basics of sign language to establish a, a mode of communication with uh, the candidate. Uh, so this is how we do provide for post-placement support. In case of neurodivergent candidates, uh, you know, buddy support plays a very important role. So again, helping the buddy to understand more about the candidate, uh, their ways of learning, because some of them could be uh, very comfortable learning visually. Some of them may be, you know, happy with uh, reading texts. Some may be audio learners. So helping them understand the ways of learning, breaking down, Uh, you know, complex trainings into simpler, granular forms so that they, you know, understand, uh, you know, the jobs better. Uh, We also, uh, you know, tell them a lot about the candidates because, uh, you know, simple simple things like, you know, a a lot of candidates with neurodivergence are, uh, you know, socially not very comfortable uh, with looking you in the eye and greeting you. Or some of them tend to, you know, uh, have a, fetish for washing their hands very frequently. Uh, They may not like buttoned up shirts. You know, these are simple things which are, uh, uh, you know, which are difficult for neurotypical people to understand. So helping them, uh, you know, understand uh, these, uh, uh, you know, uh, little uh, uh, behavioral uh, challenges that uh, persons with neurodivergence would have, uh, you know, things that can trigger them. We work closely with, uh, you know, the teams to help them, uh, You know, understand these issues in a better way. Uh, Some of the things that we also work with uh, employers with is, you know, we uh, talk to them about. You know, having conversations with the new employees, uh, you know, it's not just enough to have conversations the way you would with non disabled employees because uh, they come uh, from a space where sometimes they may not be able to openly ask for their accommodations. So, one on one conversations with managers, with peers can really help to iron out a lot of the issues where they can speak openly about. Uh, you know, what are the problems they're facing on a regular basis. So, for example, persons with physical impairment, you know, may find it, uh, uh, you know, they they may be, uh, you know, ticking all the right boxes in terms of having accessibility. They may be having the right infrastructure. They may be having the right assistive technologies, they may be providing support for transfer, all of these. But, you know, is there inclusion with the other team members? You know, so these uh, things can come out very well with the, you know, one-on-one conversations that you hold with the employees. Um, We also talk about, you know, uh, uh, you know, when you're looking at employers, also what, uh, uh, you know, a lot of employers have started doing is they've started forming employee resource groups where they are like support forums for persons with disabilities. And uh, whatever challenges are being faced by the employees, uh, the group takes it up and finds ways of resolving it. So uh, we also help with, uh, you know, support to, uh, you know, uh, uh uh, employees mentoring coaching them uh, to you know come out with their problems because sometimes they're not able to articulate it to their managers but uh, mentoring and coaching can be a good way in which uh, you know they can reach out to their members uh, mentors and talk about the problems the various problems that they're encountering so these are some small ways in which you know we uh you know, work with the employers to make, to create readiness. Uh, The last part, and perhaps the most important is, you know, I think uh, getting any person into the workplace is possible uh, if you have in a buy-in of the uh, leadership. So we also work uh, closely with uh, organizations, organizations, to, you know, kind of help them with their equal opportunity policies. We review their policies, their processes to get a good understanding of what are the benefits that the company is currently offering and how these can be tailored for people with different disabilities. So, uh, for example, you know, um, uh, 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 everybody talks about having uh, you know, leaves. So they have leaves which are very structured into medical leaves, casual leaves, privileged leaves, etc. But if you really look at it for a person who has uh, a blood disorder, right, thalassemia or sickle cell anemia, etc. They do need, uh, you know, uh, a lot of blood transfusions. And this happens fairly regularly. It could be, you know, once in two weeks to once a month, etc. So helping the Company even understand, you know, what are the accommodations that persons with different needs would require, and whether the company can give them these accommodations, because this may not, uh, you know, be fulfilled with the regular sick leave that a, a employee is entitled to. So, reasonable accommodations is something that we also work very closely with uh, for uh, with the employer. Um, so that's uh, you know somehow a little bit about how we work on. Uh, you know, the employment front with organizations to make it more uh, inclusive.
1: At all. You know what, Radhika, I'm going to come back to you and do a special session only about everything that you shared in the last uh, answer about how to make a corporate ready. You know, it was absolutely brilliant. And I'm going to pick and chew your head a little more and want to ask for another interview on this. Only this specifically. Okay, sure, sure.
2: Yeah, I think and Raja I, would
1: be your person there,
2: and we I would love to get him on the yeah, show
1: too. Please, I need, I need to do this because it's going to be so helpful. Everything that you said, uh, it's going to be extremely helpful for uh, the entire and environment uh, of corporates who you know who want to do this, who want to contribute, but don't know how to go about it. So, yeah. I'm definitely going to come back to you for this. And I loved what you spoke about job descriptions. Uh, As he was saying, I just realized that, you know, everybody wants everything as excellent. But, you know, actually, out there, you don't have excellence. Even mediocre and uh, not not even mediocre, people feel that, you know, yeah, hey, I'm great. You know, and then it's for the HR to decide. And then uh, it's always compromise. Something is you know, covering up for something else. And uh, as you rightly said, an ops person who doesn't need to talk to a client is somebody who has to be extremely meticulous in their work. And that overshadows everything else, right? So you said that so beautifully. So thank you. Thanks for... I
2: I also uh, want to add one point, Chitra. You know, I think after COVID, you know, we've, especially persons with disability, I think, uh, you know, have started opting and wanting to work out of home, which is great. Right. But I think we also work a lot, And, you know, even employers feel that, oh, you know, they can work out of home. But while we talk about, you know, giving them the flexibility to work from home, we also, you know, try to work with employers and our candidates and try to emphasize that hybrid is good, you know. Uh, Yeah, they
1: don't need to be shut out. Yeah, yeah, you don't need
2: to shut yourself from social interactions, uh, you know. Which is
1: most crucial, Yeah. Yeah.
2: and learning a lot of learning happens when you're sitting with each other around the table talking and solving true. problems right so
1: Absolutely. it also
2: hampers your career progression so that's Correct. also something i think
1: very very important very true yeah, that's yeah. Important. Uh, now going on to the the larger environment and regulatory environment that we live in so you know what would you say how can governments and policy makers contribute to creating an environment that supports skill development, and employment for individuals with disabilities. What do you say? What would you say?
2: So I think the 2016 Rights of Persons with Disability Act has been very, very progressive. It's moved the entire focus from a charity model to a rights-based model. And it talks about how to remove the barriers in society to create opportunities for people with disabilities. So i think you know it's also talked about uh, you know how uh, of course it puts a mandate on the public sector but it for the private sector there is no mandate on hiring it has in fact it, what it's done is it's talked about how to make the environment more conducive uh, so it talks about you know looking at uh, uh, making their environment accessible physical accessibility digital accessibility providing the right transport it talks about having a liaison officer you know who can uh, work with candidates maintaining data etc uh, so uh, you know i think in that sense uh, The RPWD Act has been very, very progressive. But even then, if we look at, uh, you know, the ecosystem or if we look at the space or the environment, uh, it's only uh, it it also talks about reasonable accommodations. Sorry, I missed mentioning that. So RPWD Act talks about reasonable accommodations. But somewhere, I think, um, uh, you know, there is this idea that uh, reasonable accommodations can be very, very expensive. Uh, So in effect, what has happened is only big companies who can finance and, you know, can handle the reasonable accommodations have started recruiting people with disabilities. Uh, The small and medium enterprises uh, need to, uh, you know, I think the government needs to look at uh, how to bring in the small and medium enterprises. Uh, enterprises to hire people with disabilities because they have a lot of simple job roles where they can be accommodated well, you know, so if they can come up with any schemes, uh, you know, outcome-based schemes, you know, where, you know, if they employ so many people with disabilities, uh, you know, uh, they would get some kind of a benefit, you know, so if you can create those kind of structures, I think it would create a lot of uh, employment for uh, people with disabilities. Uh, the the other thing is, you know, there there used to be a provident fund scheme where, uh, you know, contribution by the government and the employer, uh, uh, you know, uh, was encouraged. But gradually, because, you know, it's not been used a lot, that that has kind of died down and it's not there. So if we could revive benefits like that, that, that would be something uh, useful as well. Uh, the third thing, you know, that, you know, we can uh, look at is, you know, um, uh, you know, in terms of skilling, uh, there are a lot of ITI uh, uh, institutions, you know, which provide uh, skilling and training and you know, subsequently employment to persons in the semi-urban, rural areas, uh, etc. So these ITI institutions that we're talking of can be, uh, you know, uh, looked at, they can be revamped to be, uh, you know, uh, to have trainings which are also uh, accessible and they can provide employment opportunities for persons with disabilities uh, so uh, you know i think rather than looking at it from an input driven stand if we can look at it from an output driven approach what is it that employers need and you know design trainings uh, uh, that can uh, be given to our candidates to fulfill those needs i think uh, you know then the skill based trainings would be very very useful for all uh, You know, again, another point, you know, that, uh, you know, organizations like Vishesh, uh, you know, Enable India, a lot of the organizations, you know, we can only train uh, some thousand plus students in a year and get, you know, some 600, 500, 600 jobs, you know. But we need to have organizations and bodies like uh, CII, NASCOM, who can help in aggregating and providing these trainings, uh, you know, and, Uh, you know this can really really help uh, you know going to scale so these are some you know uh, thoughts around uh, you know how we can make a little bit of a difference if government can also finance these trainings you know uh, uh, again with outcomes saying that maybe if you know they are trained and they can retain their jobs for three months you know we're going to uh, pay them a certain remuneration then I think that would really go a long way in uh, supporting skill development and employment in the country
1: mm, absolutely fantastic suggestion really and um, I, I i truly hope that somebody from the government is also going to be listening to this what you said about iti was also really very very apt uh, because yes there are so many courses out there and you know how how can they be adapted and adopted for uh, our kids uh, yeah. is something that that is, is completely doable. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: And also so. a step down, Chitra, I think, you know, education also, though we have the education policy, which mm. talks about inclusive education. Right. I I think we need to delve deeper into understanding how to make this education really inclusive and, uh, you know, uh, really that can offer benefits for employment for our students with disabilities later on. You know, know, Mm -hmm. people with uh, children with learning disabilities, they do not even get diagnosed uh, until much later. Neither the teacher nor the parent, you know, is able to understand this. So, you know, having that kind of awareness, teacher trainings, you know, how to Uh, you know, uh, take this education, um, you know, in a more cohesive way, so that it will generate more employment opportunities for the students later, even teacher training programs, right, because they are the ones who are giving the kids the uh, foundational skills, which will, uh, you know, culminate into greater jobs later on. So I think the entire uh, gamut, right, from, uh, you know, uh, employers to educational institutions to skill development uh, agencies.
1: True. Um, I wanted to ask you that looking ahead, uh, what changes or developments do you hope to see in the landscape of skill building, you know, and employment opportunities for individuals with disabilities? Considering, you know, you you are completely in the know, uh, what would you say? I
2: think, you know, uh, we need to, one is, uh, uh, you know, I think for me, I've education. If we can look about changes in the education system, uh, help students with learning disabilities learn uh, 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 different topics which will be more useful for their employment later, I think that would be one big change that I would like to start looking at. Uh, In terms of uh, environments, if we can look at making environments more inclusive, uh, uh, creating accessibility in the infrastructure, Uh, you know, in the digital spaces, et cetera, Uh, even making small accommodations when we have people with disability around us. uh, That's another thing that I think could make a huge difference. Uh, We talked about employment opportunities and we talked about inclusive job roles, right? So, uh, you know, creating, uh, you know, looking at uh, job roles, which are not just conventional job roles, but maybe Culling out job roles. So, just as an example, you know, when uh, uh, we we often talk about it, that you know, in many of the organisations, you'll have job roles which require you to do very very uh, repetitive tasks. Uh, Now, uh, a lot of uh, neurotypical people don't like to do a lot of repetitive tasks, but we do have. Neurodivergent or uh, persons with neurodivergence who may be comfortable and may enjoy repetitive tasks. So, culling together or creating job roles by putting together a lot of these job roles. Right. So, uh, you know, looking away from what is right now the convention to coming up with new job roles uh, can be, you know, uh, can create many, many uh, employment opportunities for our uh, people with disabilities. Also screening methods. Right. You know, if if there is greater awareness about understanding the challenges that people with disabilities face right from their schooling to education, you know, uh, you know, I I think people, uh, if they understand this, they would be more receptive to. Uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, tailoring the screening criteria that they have to employ people with disabilities in the organizations. Uh, and uh, most of all, changing their approach, uh, you know, from thinking that they are doing them, uh, you know, uh, some favor to understanding the talent and the value that they bring to the table. So I, I love this, uh, you know, uh, talk by Richard Branson, where he speaks about uh, having dyslexia. And he says, I learned early on in life that, you know, it would not be possible for me to do everything because uh, I had my limitations, but I realized that there was out there, um, uh, you know, many, many people who could do things better than me. And, uh, you know, he employed people in different functions and he's running this empire. So in the same way, I think it's important for, uh, you know, uh, non-disabled people to realize that there is a whole cohort of people out there who can really add value by uh, you know, the kind of work they can do, like persons with autism uh, can really be good at, you know, maybe pattern recognition or, uh, you know, creativity, etc. you know, so recognizing this and bringing in, uh, bringing them into the landscape, uh, you know, to uh, add value by, you know, their strengths. So that's something, uh, you know, that I feel can be done. And lastly, I think um, attitudinal change where, you know, we can start even thinking about uh, grooming leaders with disabilities to take on, uh, you know, the roles, higher roles tomorrow. Uh, and, and uh, you know, uh, last but not the least, you know, if we can start thinking about caregiver support, I think this is one, uh, uh, you know, one cohort that we really do not talk about. We, uh, we do not even understand the kind of contribution that caregivers make to the lives of children with disabilities. So, uh, you know, in all seriousness, looking at caregiver support, having conversations just simple conversations about disability uh, you know which can remove so many of the stigmas so many of the biases you know that people uh, have in their minds uh, societally and uh, you know uh, i think more awareness so that uh, you know we can progress disability and inclusion in a more positive way across
1: wow <laughs> uh, you know you said so much radhika uh, Thanks. Thanks a ton. Thank you for stating all of your thoughts and articulating them so, so precisely. I was always curious about, you know, uh, how your work has been impacting our families, because I've heard from them that uh, Vishesh did this and, you know, this is what happened and this is how my kid is actually in the workplace today and the, the pride with, with, with which a parent speaks. You immediately know that somebody has really done something extremely important and impactful for that family. So what you shared gave the entire gamut of work that you, Raja and Shashank have done so beautifully, you know, so, so, so well over the years, your replies were very insightful and uh, this will definitely help a lot of the families who are going to listen to it. And also those in organizations who wish to hire our adults in the workspace. I'm really, really thankful for you to have shared every aspect of the work done by initiation. So much detail in just hardly half an hour plus. I'm definitely going to request you and Raja for the podcast on what to tell employers who wish to hire and to those who have already hired. You know, if we could also share some case studies, I think this would be really, really uh, helpful. Yes,
2: we, we definitely can, Chitra. We have a yeah. lot of case studies that we can speak Thank about. Thank you so yeah. thank you thank you so much and it's not just raja shashank and me but a shout out to the entire, the entire vishesh team, team i can who's imagine, been working yeah. on this i think i'm just yeah. talking about it but no I, no thank you i mean um,
1: you know all the guidance that uh, you also shared on changes you wish to see that in itself was very nice that uh, you wish to see for the disabled population on whether skill building you mentioned about the opportunities that are available, new job rules, inclusive employment opportunities, you know, all of this will help in uh, pushing people to take steps in a much uh, focused way. Uh, Last, what you mentioned, the caregiver support is one topic that I would like to know your thoughts on in much more detail, you know, next time we meet. So thank you. This interview will definitely help uh, set up some best practices in the space Of you know skilling and employment for our people. Thank thank you so much. Thank you, Chitra. Thanks. Thank
0: you. You were listening to the Special Needs Children podcast with Chitrayer, the CEO of MFA and a trustee with the Forum for Autism. If you find this podcast relevant and interesting, it will be great if you leave a review, share, like and subscribe. You can also let us know if there is any specific topic that you would like us to cover. Feel free to email her on chitra.ir at myfinad.com or you can call her on 9833785892. 785 That 9833785892. 785 9833-785-892.